What up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode, we are continuing our G1 Climax 32 review. We are currently up to night three. This is going to be put out on Friday, July 22nd, 2022. This night three G1 Climax 32 took place on Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. For those of you that do not know, I am in this program called Substack Grow. You guys might have heard of Substack every time that I say to subscribe to it, add your email to it. It's for wrestling fans where I go over New Japan Pro Wrestling. And if you are enjoying the way that I go over New Japan Pro Wrestling, the way I interview wrestlers, and you want to get more awesome goodies and you want to unlock it, just head over to marieshadows.substack.com. And you can unlock features by subscribing, meaning you become a paid subscriber rather than a free subscriber. But it's up to you. I am giving out discounts all month long, all the way until we finish the G1. So if you want to take advantage of that discount, which is still going around, just head over to marieshadows.substack.com forward slash G132. Also, the good thing about this G1 Climax 32 Night 3 review is that it is going to be free for everyone to hear. For the past couple of G1s, I've been doing a free and paid content to try to get free subscribers into paid subscribers. I'm not even going to hide it. I've been trying to do that to test it out to see if free subscribers will be able to become paid subscribers to help me out to help out the brand and help out all the original content that I create there is no copy and paste over at marieshadows.substack.com like how others on wrestling twitter when you see the content on there there's a lot of copy and paste stuff especially when it comes to writing up news reports and who said who said type of thing who's quoting metzler who's quoting this person it's a lot of copy and paste where it's like tabloids but here at the square circle info and square circle podcast we don't deal with any type of tabloid kind of stuff. We keep it kayfabe. And if you want to explore wrestling a little bit more deeper with me, then by all means, sign up to marieshadows.substack.com. There is that discount that's already waiting for you because I know you want more goodies, more original content. And also, I don't really like to throw this in here, but it's also cool if you support more female voices that are very passionate about professional wrestling that can talk about professional wrestling on a guy's level. So if you want to continue to support that as well, if that's something you believe in, head over to marieshadows.substack.com forward slash G132. So for this night three, we had the four blocks. Now I can talk a little bit about the undercard because there was some seeds being planted in the undercard. So I will quickly go over that. The biggest thing to come out of the undercard are probably like two things from what I remember. The first one is Yano really going after Okada in the tag match that Yano had in the undercard. Yano is afraid of bigger guys meaning like Jonah and Lance Archer and Bad Luck Fale. They're bigger in size than Yano. 
But with Okada, because they're on the same team, they're both from Chaos, Yano and Okada. Yano already knows about Okada. They fought before. They're friends. They're like brothers. So the thought of fighting your own brother in this G1 tournament really doesn't phase Yano as much. Or I should say scare Yano as much when it comes to fighting someone like Jonah and has to outsmart Jonah with a low blow. That's how Yano got his first two points with that low blow. I really hate it. However... Yano is definitely going to need to bring his A game when it comes to fighting Okada. There is no way Okada is going to take a loss because Yano wants to low blow him. And you hear Kevin Kelly so fondly saying, my monitor, what happened? I love Kevin Kelly, by the way. Awesome commentator. So in this match... This tag match. Yano was not afraid to attack Okada. So there goes one seed. Because eventually you know that in A block. They're both in there. Eventually they're both going to meet up. And they're going to fight. So I'm interested. In seeing how this match is going to play out. When it happens. The second planting of the seeds. In New Japan Pro Wrestling. For this G1 Climax 32. Is the trio tag match. That had Kenta teaming with Jay White, teaming with Juice Robinson to take on Hiroshi Tanahashi, teaming up with Ishii, and teaming up with a young lion. Now, in this match, Kenta tried to help Jay White, but Ishii already knows this game. Ishii sidestepped, and Kenta kicked Jay White in the face. Not once, but twice, because Kenta thought he could do the same thing what he was trying to do to Ishii. But Ishii was like, nah, we're not having that. So Kenta kicked Jay White in the face twice. And you can hear during the match that Jay White was like, why did you kick me? I hope it was an accident. You know, some stuff that you could hear on camera. I've always said that Kenta is the wild card no matter what now. Kenta does what he wants, says what he wants, and quite frankly, no one can tell him anything. No one can stop him. Now, Kenta and Jay White are not in the same block. Kenta is in C block, and Jay White is in B block. However, this little planting of the seeds can go a little bit further outside of the G1 tournament, meaning that maybe... If Jay White feels that Kenta is his wild card and he could switch up allegiance at any moment or maybe another quote unquote accident happens in the ring while he's teaming with Jay White sometime in the future. Jay White might decide to kick him out, too, because he can't trust him because he would think that Kenta will want to come for his spot the same way that he kicked out Tama and Loa. Maybe thinking that they were going to come from his spot or eventually kick out Jay because of Thomas standards for what it means to be in Bullet Club. And how Jay decided to pull the trigger first to take them out of Bullet Club. So it could go either way with the little planting of the seeds between Kenta and Jay White in that moment for the undercard for night three of the G1 Climax 32. It could go anywhere from here. And I'm only just fantasy booking 
and just thinking outside the box of like maybe like those two options of what could happen if this continues. There's also another tiny little storytelling element, which I will mention here. So before that trios tag match with Bullet Club versus Chaos plus Main Corpse, the one I just talked about. Before that was the United Empire taking on House of Torture. And this is to set up the little stories to go into their matches respectfully later on in the tournament. But what I really want to touch on is that El Fantasmo had his nipples twisted by Osprey. And Yudro tries to come in and save El Fantasmo and is trying to pull Osprey off. Eventually, Will Osprey stops twisting El Fantasmo's nipples. And so El Fantasmo has some words with Yudro Takahashi, who's part of House of Torture and also, I guess, part of Bullet Club. They had a tiny interaction, but that's all you need to know about the dynamics between Bullet Club and House of Torture. While on the surface, it seems like everyone is getting along and everyone decided to choose to stay with Jay White because when Jay White kicked out Tama and Loa, he was like, you guys have to choose. It's either me or it's Tama. And most of the people in Bullet Club right now, currently, and this includes House of Torture, chose Jay White. No one chose Tama or Loa, except for Jado. But Jada was like a package deal that went with them. And so this little interaction between El Fantasmo and Yujiro was more like, why couldn't you stop him sooner? I can definitely see El Fantasmo talking some shit into Jay White's ear about Yujiro and the House of Torture and convince him to kick out the House of Torture from the Bullet Club banner. I can see that happening. Do I think that House of Torture needs to be in Bullet Club? No. House of Torture is already established. They're really good. They could be on their own. They don't need the backing of Bullet Club anymore. But because New Japan Pro Wrestling owns the copyright to Bullet Club, you know, they may or may not ever kick them out. Because they really do need Japanese stars to represent Bullet Club, even though the American stars are really doing fantastic with the name and looking really good. Speaking of Yujiro Takahashi, he opened up night three of the G1 Climax 32, taking on David Finley. Let's jump right into this match. So this is D-Block starting things off. We get some amateur wrestling in the beginning. David Finley takes down Yudro. Yudro makes it to the ropes to cause that rope break. David Finley quickly follows up with a snap suplex and Yudro kicks out of that. David Finley goes for a backslide cover. Yudro kicks out, turns it right over into a crucifix pin. Yudro kicks out and then we get a drop kick that sends Yudro to the outside. David Finley works best when he's going super fast and that takes the opponent off their game when they're fighting David Finley. The only problem is, is that every time David goes fast, there's always some chance that he's going to mess up and someone's going to cut those wings right out from under him and slow the match down 
and make sure that the opponent is in control whenever they're fighting David Finley. Yudro avoids the plancha and then manages to send David Finley into the guardrail. We get a reverse DDT from Yudro onto Finley on the floor. Now, as both men get back into the ring, Yudro is now taking advantage by doing a big boot to Finley. Yudro grapevines the leg and drives Finley down into the mat. Goes for a pin cover. Finley kicks out. Yudro now controls Finley's arm, slowing down the match. Letting Finley feel the pain within both of his shoulders because on the right shoulder, he has that surgically repaired shoulder. So it just hurts a little bit more even though it is repaired to the best of the doctor's ability. However, Finley sends usual face first into the corner pad to break the hold. From there, we get a neck breaker from David Finley to Udro. David Finley manages to get Udro in the blue thunder bomb. And as Udro kicks out of the attempted pin, Udro is crawling back up using the ropes to help him get to a vertical base. He avoids a big running uppercut from David Finley rolls out and this time David Finley manages to do a plancha which is basically a body splash over the top rope. Finley then drops Usual back first onto the apron. Back inside the ring we get another backbreaker to Usual and then Finley tries to go for a cover near fall. David Finley tries again for a power shot. A rocket shot forearm goes for a cover on Usual. Usual kicks out. We get that fisherman buster by Finley. But Finley is clutching his shoulder at this point because a lot has been taken out, especially with Finley doing a lot of power moves and taking advantage of Udro. And so we get a kick out and then followed up by a sunset power bomb. And then we get a near fall. And then out comes show from House of Torture. You never count out House of Torture. You never do. So show is distracting the referee. However, David Finley is smart enough to know that Yudro is going to be using the wrench that show threw into the ring. Finley ducks that but manages to get caught in the Olympic slam by Yudro. The referee turns around, goes for the count, but Finley kicks out. The referee then disarms Yudro and this allows for a low blow to be snuck in and Yudro does pimp juice to David Finley. David Finley kicks out of this. Then we get a stunner to Yudro by Finley. Yudro kicks out of that. It's not until we get the O'Connor roll where Sho hits David Finley in the head and we get pimp juice again, which is Yudro's finisher to David Finley. Yudro goes over for the cover. One, two, three. David Finley does not win gets his first loss in this g1 Udro is awarded two points representing d block that's not a very good look for finley especially when he's going into d block and eventually facing his partner juice robinson that basically was like fuck finley finley has been holding me down for years so this is why we're no longer together Udro picks up his first two points of the g1 our second match is B-Block 
we have Chase Owens versus Tamatanga. Now, this match, in my opinion, could have been a little bit better. A little bit better in planning and just overall, just feel a little bit better to watch. Tama is a huge ass baby face. I don't understand why they gave Carl Anderson the never open weight championship title when they should have kept it on Tama to prove his point that he can survive without Bullet Club. It's still apparent that he can survive without Bullet Club because his name holds so much weight, not only in New Japan, but over here in the States and his family and everything. And just the way that Tama carries himself, he could definitely survive without Bullet Club. And he's showing the world just that. However, it never crossed my mind of the day that Tama and Loa were to leave on their own from Bullet Club. Like that thought of how would they survive without the name of Bullet Club actually play out. Now that it's playing out, it's totally fine. Loa is still recovering from his knee injury. That's why he's not in the G1. Tama is looking great as ever outside of Bullet Club and it really feels fresh. A really nice baby face. And so Tama comes down to the ring in red gear, red and gold. He usually wears black and red, black and gold, those type of combinations, but never like a full on red gear with gold in the trimmings. And he looked amazing. It looked really good on him. Red really does fit Tama. And I know I'm praising Tama a lot. I'm going to do that. I am very biased when it comes to Tama so I'm telling you that right now I will give props to other wrestlers when it's due but let's just all praise Tama at the moment Tama does everything right in this match for me it's a little too simple it's a little too basic it's a little too safe and Chase Owens tends to be more of a safe wrestler than Something unpredictable, something wild. Because sometimes when it comes to Chase Owens matches, there's a lot of stuff that you could predict. Because in this one, it's basically the story of good versus evil, babyface versus heel. We all know that Chase is the heel and all of this. We all know that Tama is the babyface. So, of course, Chase is going to do some heel tactics to get the crowd behind Tama to get Jado involved and the crowd loves Jado as well. So that love of Jado and Tama would just carry over. So sometimes I do believe that going simple and safe is the best way to go for telling stories because that's when the crowd gets it. But this is the G1. It's a G1 climax. You don't go safe. You definitely don't go predictable. You go unpredictable where people are amazed at the type of power, the type of psychology, the type of awe that you give to them. So that way they can definitely say this was one of their favorite matches. I just wish that it was a little bit better, had a little bit more 
oomph, a little bit more awe and wow to it. Because I know that Tama could definitely be unpredictable. And Chase can also be unpredictable if he wants to be. But most of the time, he's not. He plays the safe route and does the basic American fundamental of wrestling. I enjoyed Tama versus Evil a lot more in last year's G1. And this one was okay. I'm not sure if I'm being too harsh, but it's just the fact of this one didn't live up to the urgency that the G1 Climax gives because everybody that's fighting in the G1 is fighting for the opportunity to not only get that trophy, but to get a shot at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. You know, so everybody is a little bit more amped. Everybody's a little bit more cutthroat. And there wasn't that in here. And I thought that would have been more cutthroat because if Chase is still holding this grudge of Tama once kicking him out a Bullet Club and then brought him back in back in the day, then where is that cutthroat? That's supposed to be there, that angriness, that grudge that you have against Tama. Did all of that anger leave as soon as Jay White cut out Tama and Loa from the group? That shouldn't be the case if you're trying to build a story that the Bullet Club members that Tama always thought were his family decided to kick him out and decided to stay with Jay. Like all that anger, all that storytelling shouldn't and storytelling should not have left after they got kicked out, if any of that makes any sense. You know, during the undercard of the G1 tournament, there was a tag team match that happened between Jay White and Chase Owens taking on Tama and Jado. And in that tag, and in that tag, there was a lot more shit talking a lot more provoking a lot more cowardice coming from the team of jay white and chase owens and it felt like there was that urgency because tama is on the chase and both jay and chase knows that tama wants to get revenge for what happened specifically on jay white but taking out all the bullet club will feel just as great for tama in the long run. So looking back, there was story playing out in that tag match. There was story playing out in this one-on-one match, but not to the degree of that tag match. I know Tama can go in the ring, but I'm not sure if Chase can go in the ring as long as Tama can. Both men's stamina are completely different. And I only bring this up because I would like to see Chase Owens in an Iron Man match and see what kind of unpredictability he does. Because I'm not going to go through the whole entire match to let you know what happened. Because to me, it's very similar to a Bullet Club match where you use the outside to your advantage. Now, overall, talking about wrestlers in Bullet Club, they have their own system of cheating. But when it comes to this one, Chase has not changed up how he cheats. Okay, so in the beginning of this match, Chase 
Chase tries to jump Tama, but Tama already knows this. Like, Tama wrote the book on, like, how to cheat if you're a Bullet Club member, okay? Like, he was there since the beginning, and all these Bullet Club guys think that they could easily take out Tama. The only thing that you can do against Tama is use his emotions against him to get a cheap win. There's nothing else to it. It's just his emotions. Everything else, he could probably beat you twice on Sunday. You know, I'm just saying. That phrase sounds cool because back in the day in the territory days, wrestlers would wrestle 365 days a year and twice on Sunday. So that's where that phrase came from. So right off the bat, Chase tries to jump Tama. Doesn't work. Tama manages to get a crossbody in, a backbody drop as well, and Chase starts running. Try to put some space between them. Chase decides to superkick Jado because when you do that, you go right after Tama's emotions because Jado has been in the corner of... The Gorillas of Destiny, Tama and Loa, for a long time and supports them. So that's basically support system right there. So Chase takes him down with a super kick. Chase manages to catch Tama with a double kick. They continue to keep on fighting. And then Chase likes to do the double axe handle from the corner rope so many times in this match that it was like five times. It's like, dude, I get it. That's what the older wrestling generation used to do back in the day in the territory days. And that got over because it's a very simple move. And if you do it in Japan, you know, Japanese fans will like love it and stuff, but switch it up from time to time. Tama finally stops Chase's offense by coming in with his own comeback with that big splash in the corner, a back suplex, goes for a cover, but Chase kicks out. Chase does a sunset flip bomb on Tama into the corner pad. And this is what I mean by switching it up. I wasn't expecting that one. Chase does a neck breaker to Tama. Tama comes in with that Death Valley driver followed up by Supreme Flow, which is a huge ass splash off the top rope. It looks very, very, very beautiful. However, this one Supreme Flow did not connect with Chase Owens and Chase Owens moved away from that and Tama crashed onto the canvas. Chase Owens then decides to lift up the pad on the outside. New Japan Pro Wrestling does not invest in anything thicker, so it was a very thin pad for the wrestlers to land on whenever outside moves are done. So Chase decides to prepare Tama to do a package power driver onto the concrete floor. However, Jada decides to kick the pad over to cover it, and this is where Chase gets a little upset at Jado. Chase then decides to take a chair and try hitting Tama with it. But in comes Jado to take the chair away from him. Chase then walks into a back body drop and he takes those bumps like all the time. Now we finally get a supreme flow from Tama. However, Chase kicks out of that penitent. Chase avoids the gun stun. 
does a C trigger and then a package pile driver to counter the gun stun roll up that gets countered by inside Kratos and Tama escapes. Tama does a springboard gun stun that gets countered. Chase sends Tama to chest first into the exposed steel. Because, you know, in every Bullet Club match, the corner pad is gone. Tama then avoids the package power driver and sends Chase face first into the exposed steel, that exposed turnbuckle, like I mentioned earlier, and then hits the gun stun. Tama goes for the cover. One, two, three. And Tama gets his first two deserved G1 points. Our third match. Representing A Block. Bad Luck Fale versus Lance Archer. I am going to ask this question on this podcast episode. And please make sure to let me know either on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows in the comments below on marieshadows.substack.com or email me your response, squarecirclepodcast at outlook.com or just somewhere where you can find me and let me know your answer. And this goes for all the AEW fans out there. The majority of AEW fans either have me muted or blocked because they can't take constructive criticism or strong opinions about their favorite company, All Elite Wrestling. When they have a lot of flaws they need to fix, when they really don't fix anything, and they fix like the lighting just to have a better show, but nothing else really gets fixed. I could go on and on about that in a whole nother podcast episode that would be like an hour long. But here is my question. For all the AEW fans... Do you know that Lance Archer, who is part of the All Elite Wrestling roster, did you know he is in this year's New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax 32? I only ask because I do not see any type of support for Lance Archer on my timeline at all. Again, it could be that I am muted and blocked by a lot of AEW guys and girls. But generally, most people like talking about the G1. Lance Archer is definitely a standout, and Kevin Kelly knows that Lance Archer is worth it. Do you guys know how much I miss Lance Archer? Seeing him on my TV doing what he does best as a big guy? Like, in the beginning, Lance Archer was cool, man. I believed in him, and I really enjoyed everything that he had to do, and when he comes out, and he basically destroys somebody and then his opponent, and they should have gave him the championship title. If not the AEW championship title, maybe the TNT championship title. They never gave this guy any type of championships, and I wonder why. Archer has a great look. Archer could be that monster and then you could pair him up with somebody else that wants to try to take him down. Like there's a lot of story elements you can do with Lance Archer. That's not the typical and stereotypical type of big monster storyline. We're not talking about regular big show type of storyline where he got defeated by almost everyone else after getting defeated by Rey Mysterio. You know, I'm just saying that like, well, Lance Archer is a little bit different because when Lance Archer does promos and the way he carries himself, the way that people interact with him, 
and you can see how genuinely they are afraid of him it just makes for wonderful storytelling like you can play this out in your head almost like a horror movie when it comes to booking lance archer maybe one day i should do like an episode or interview lance archer and just talk to him about like any type of storylines that he will want to do and what works best for his character and like all that kind of stuff because it's really upsetting that i am so enjoying lance archer being in new japan pro wrestling and i totally missed that you know there were times where he would post on social media and at least you know that's our only type of update that we get when he's at home either relaxing or working out to be a better version of himself but to me that's not enough like I really want to see Lance Archer hold a championship title whether that's tag team whether that's the never open weight championship title the TNT title the AEW world heavyweight title maybe a trios title just something you know so that is my question to all the aew fans out there do you know that the g1 is currently running and lance archer is in it that's all i want to know is either yes or no you really can't get mad at me asking i just want to know because there's a lot of support for all the wwe x superstars that have come into aew and overshadowed the aew guys that has been there and while the AEW guys have gotten love it's not as loud as the ex-WWE guys so I'm just saying and by the way Lance Archer was once Lance Hoyt in WWE at one point but no one really remembers his career and then when he decided to come over to AEW he is really the biggest thing in professional wrestling he feels like a big damn deal now, I know I'm talking about Folly versus Archer, and I'm going to get into that in a moment. But Night 5 had a very interesting dynamic in the undercard, where it was the United Empire, Will Ospreay, Aaron Hinare, and the Great Okan taking on Suzuki-Goon of Lance Archer, Takamichinuku, and Taichi. And so the interesting dynamic is that usually Osprey loves talking shit to his opponents in the ring just to get things going. But this time around, he did not want to talk shit to any person in Suzuki Goon other than Zack Zaber Jr. I apologize. I said Tai Chi. Zack Zaber Jr. was in this match. Apologies. So Lance Archer and Osprey have a history of just fighting each other either one-on-one or in tag teams. So Osprey understands that Lance Archer is the wild card in this match, also the heavy hitter. He's very powerful, and Osprey does not really want to take him on in this match. But he does face his fear of fighting Lance Archer in this moment, even though he doesn't want to, but he does it anyway. He faces his fear of fighting the monster. And is that not like a cool little mini storyline, even though we've seen it before, but it could be turned into something different where someone can face their fears of fighting someone as big and as tall and as powerful Lance Archer. And, you know, anything can happen because Lance Archer is a very articulate guy. Lance Archer can definitely move the story along as well as the other person that he's in the storyline with. 
And it would just be a simple story of overcoming your fears. And that doesn't matter how tall someone is. doesn't matter how tall the obstacle is, what you're fearful of, as long as you can get over that. And if that could be taught to today's society, you'll be a lot more stronger and you'll be a lot more aware of what you can do, what you can't do, and try to fix those things and try to enrich your life by... I can get over my fears. I can get over my obstacles just by positioning Lance Archer to be that obstacle in the story and then have a wrestler go after that and conquer whatever fear they have. And that's the greatest thing about wrestling and stories that the mix of the two are able to help you with things that you're afraid to tell other people. So, Wrestling is theater, it's your therapy, and it's definitely your favorite show to watch because you get to learn from these lessons. There's a lot of sitcoms on network televisions back in the day that taught about those type of situations and more to try to get you to be the person that you are today. So I'm just saying that that could be a thing in wrestling where Lance Archer is used as the monster that he is, but also telling stories of you can overcome anything because you are powerful, because you are smart, and because you're crafty. Okay, let me talk about Balak Fale versus Lance Archer for A Block. Think of this match like Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. You know, it's two big monsters fighting each other, doing athletic moves that you don't normally see big guys do in the ring. There was a lot of fighting on the outside, using the barricade to their advantage, using big, powerful strikes to see if the other guy can stay down. But that wasn't the case in this. It was basically two behemoths, two monsters fighting back and forth. There was one point where Bad Luck Fale was setting up some chairs and was going to use those chairs against Archer. But Reshus was like, if you do that, you're going to get disqualified. So Reshus manages to take away the chairs from Bad Luck Fale. That does not stop Fale from setting up the chairs for a later spot where Bad Luck Fale slams Lance. Bad Luck Fale slams Lance. Bad Luck Fale slams Lance Archer through those chairs and goes into the ring and waits for a count-out victory. Lance Archer manages to get into the ring before the count of 20. Lance Archer comes in with a cross-body splash to Bad Luck Fale. Fale kicks out with a pin attempt, and Fale then stops Lance Archer's top rope walk. In this case, Lance Archer does a top rope walk and does a moonsault when he reaches the middle. So Fale stopped that. We get a Samoan drop to Lance Archer from Balak Fale, and Balak Fale reverses the blackout. Lance Archer had Balak Fale up in the air, carrying this dude to prepare him for the blackout. But that didn't happen. We get a little tussle where the guys are on the outside of the ring. Archer comes in with a cannonball to Bad Luck Fale. And then Archer pulls Fale. Fale then sweeps Archer's legs. 
we get a double choke on the apron. However, Fale comes in with a spike, meaning he jabs his thumb into Lance Archer's throat to break up the double choke. And this takes Archer to the floor, almost leaving him dazed and a little confused. And there is a count going on. And Archer does not. Lance Archer does not make it back into the ring before the count of 20. And that allows Bad Luck Fale to pick up his first two points via countout in the G1 Climax 32. Our main event for the G1 Climax 32, representing C Block, Hiroki Goto versus Tetsuya Naito. Any match that Naito has with any of the veterans that basically wrestled and grew up in New Japan Pro Wrestling, per se, we're going to call it a tale as old as time. That's how I feel sometimes with certain matchups. Not saying that I didn't like this one. I enjoyed this one. I enjoy watching Goto matches. I enjoy watching Naito matches. But it just feels like when the veterans fight, it's like a tale as old as time. Whenever the G1 rolls around, Goto Yuji says that this is his G1. The G in the G1 stands for Goto. So the Goto one. This time around, he's definitely not using that. He's definitely not saying that. Because every time he says that this is his G1, the Goto one, it never comes true. He never wins the G1. So this year, he's doing something completely different where he's not saying that this is his G1. In the beginning of this match, we have a typical traditional collar and elbow tie up. They get into the ropes. We have a rope break. We get some chain wrestling. We get some side headlocks. Naito comes in with a quick pin on Goto. Goto kicks out. We get some shoulder tackles. We get some boots. Goto does his hip tosses and misses the elbow. Goto reverses Naito's hip toss and tries for something else. Naito rolls to the outside to create some distance between each other. And obviously, these guys are evenly matched. They have fought each other so many times that they know what they're going to do before they actually do it. Naito then sends Goto into the guardrail. Goto misses Naito and hits his arm into the post, the ring post. Naito starts taking advantage of Goto's hurt arm. If you work on the body part, you know you probably have this match in the bag. Probably. We get a short arm scissors and then a rope break. Naito's still working on Goto's arm. We then get a misdirection and Goto lands a lariat to Naito, no matter how much that arm is hurting him. We get some forearms, jumping kicks, a running bulldog. That is the combination that Goto always uses against any opponent. Goto goes for the cover over on Naito. Naito kicks out. We get an elbow, a drop kick to the back of the head. And then Naito decides to wrap his legs around Goto's neck and head area like a grapevine scissors and like a full Nelson. 
and this traps Godo's arm and put pressure on Godo's neck by pushing his head forward. Godo manages to get to the ropes and cause a rope break, but the damage is still done. We get a very beautiful Super Rana off the top rope from Naito to Godo. Sometime later, Godo manages to do a beautiful spine buster and then an arm breaker submission. And then Godo turns it into like a triangle choke. However, Naito goes and gets a rope break. So that submission has to be broken up. We get a forearm exchange and Naito knows to go directly to that forearm to put more pain and pressure on that bad arm of Godo. Godo sidesteps Naito and delivers a big lariat. We get a huge fireman's carry slam. Godo goes for the cover and Naito kicks out. We get the Yushigoroshi on Naito. Naito kicks out of that attempted pin. We get a rolling kick to Godo. Big forearm smash to Godo. And then Naito goes for his finisher, which is Destino. Goes for the cover and Godo kicks out. Godo goes for his famous GTR, which is a which is called Godo Revolution. And it is a spinning headlock lariat into a backbreaker. Godo goes for a cover, but Naito kicks out. We get a brain buster. And then Godo comes in with a pendulum slam counter and then follows it up with a GTR over on Naito. And goes for the cover. One, two, three. Goto gets his first two points for the G1 Climax 32. Goto is off to a strong start. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this review of night three of the G1 Climax 32, I have more coming out. Apologies for this being late in my schedule i had to take a mini little mental break and do some other stuff uh to get back into the game of doing this and if you have not already checked out my interview with clark connors it is up at marieshadows.substack.com if you are a first time passerby to marieshadows.substack.com just know that it is a newsletter that gets delivered to your inbox it's more of a intimacy thing where you and I could definitely chat. You would definitely know my thoughts about wrestling, how I feel about things. You can listen to this podcast episode as many times as you want. You get to download it. And then also you get to watch my wrestler reviews, read anything that I have, you know, have fun with me on the newsletter and get to know how deep I know about professional wrestling. It goes to your inbox every single day at 10 a.m. with some type of wrestling news that's happening because wrestling is not slowing down. If you don't know by now, Vince McMahon has retired from WWE. I have that article up on marieshadows.substack.com. And then now we find out that Triple H is going to be in control of creative. So it's going to be a very promising future for WWE to continue to stay around and still have that McMahon name, even if they are co-CEOs between Stephanie McMahon and and Nick Khan. So while I do only cover right now the G1 
because New Japan Pro Wrestling is so dear and near to my heart. And most of the time, I don't want to get into the tribalism war between AEW and Ring of Honor versus WWE fans on Twitter because it just doesn't make any sense. If no one is really going to listen and they're stuck in their ways and they already made up their mind, you cannot change someone's train of thought or perspective. So there's no point in me losing energy over something that's going to make me not want to do this versus doing something that I love, letting you know I have this passion and just talking about wrestling that I enjoy. I do take a look at other wrestling news and I know what's going on in the wrestling world. I could do a podcast episode where I just round up wrestling news, but I would take that and do that sparingly. But I do dabble in knowing about what's going on in the wrestling world. If the New Japan content is overwhelming for you guys, let me know. You guys can always reach me. You guys can always reply to any email that I sent you. You could always send me a DM, whatever the case may be. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 32 review of Night 3. Night 4 and Night 5 are coming soon. We're already on Night 6. So look out for that over at marieshadows.substack.com. Again, check out the Clark Connors interview for any of my free readers and passerbys. You will only be able to watch 21 minutes of the video and if you want to watch more please consider subscribing by getting a paid membership i am always giving out discounts i'm still running a g1 sale because i am looking out for your wallet and looking out for your best interest in how you maneuver your money because i understand how important it is for you in the long run so it's 28% off for the whole year and or monthly and if you want to support more female voices that is the way to go by supporting Marie Shadows supporting the Square Circle Info supporting the Square Circle Podcast supporting a content machine that has no safety net that has no big backing from any of the wrestling news sites over on Twitter Everything that you see, hear, read is all done by me. And if you want to support that and you want to support independent writers, independent podcasters, independent live streamers, however you want to frame it, then by all means, make sure to get a paid subscription at marieshadows.substack.com forward slash G132 where your hard-earned money can definitely build up this brand and we could do a lot more stuff in the future and in upcoming months. All right, I really hope I sold you on that. I'm not too sure. Let me know. As always, follow me on social media at Marie underscore Shadows. You can definitely follow the newsletter marieshadows.substack.com and just support me however you want to support me word of mouth tell a friend let them know that i cover new japan pro wrestling aew wwe mow impact wrestling 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 that's all it is i hope you guys enjoy this one you have been listening to an episode of the square circle podcast my coverage of the g1 climax 32 i am your host marie shadows And I'll see you guys on the next one.